You're listening to the Auburn Express. What's up and good morning, War Report family. It's Friday, February 10th, and we're talking Oklahoma and Texas. They are poised to join the conference early. B-Will joins me this morning to talk about what it's going to cost them on this morning's morning drop. Let's drop it on Now, now listening to, listening to the, war the war report. Morning, war report family. It's your boy Mike G. I'm bringing in my guy B. Will to yeah. talk a little conference expansion. B. Will, Oklahoma and Texas have negotiated a deal to yeah. join the conference a whole year early. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- th- uh, there are two things I want to talk about today with you. Uh, first and foremost, uh, conference scheduling. Right. What is the schedule going to look like? So let's start here. Um, the SEC has gotten a lot of flack for only playing eight conference games. But with these guys joining the conference, they may be poised to go to nine conference games and no divisions. What do you think? What do we think about no divisions and maintaining traditional rivalries? Man, so this is really the biggest question. It's not a question of does leaving early for Oklahoma and Texas mean anything? It means nothing. They knew this was on the table. They knew this this was coming. This is 100% about, for the SEC, what does this do to your alignment? What does it do to your traditional rivalries? And what does it do to um, how do you schedule year after year to create new rivalries? And we had heard some complaints about people wanting teams to play other teams more often. Like, you know, we, we got your seven that you play, excuse me, your six that you play in your division right now. You got your one cross-divisional rival that, that's maintained, and then you got one other cross-divisional person that you play every year, and that swaps out. But you, it wasn't enough. I think I heard JG say a few times, you know, Auburn fans should have an opportunity to go to Kentucky. Auburn fans should have an opportunity to go mm. to Vanderbilt, to go to South Carolina, to go to Tennessee, and that's not something we usually get to do. So what the SEC does with this, I don't think... Uh, here's, here's my first question. I'm going to pose this to, to the chat and to you. Do any of us think that Greg Sankey, anybody at the league office cares when Sonny Dykes criticizes our November schedule, but we go out there and stomp a mud hole in them in the National you're Championship right, game. You're right. Like, <laughs> listen, you can say whatever you want about our eight-game schedule because, honestly, the vast majority of the, the teams who even have a chance at contending from the SEC are playing their ninth game against a Power 5 opponent. That is actually a good Power 5 opponent. Auburn played Clemson. We played we play Penn State. Um, we played K-State a few years back. We're going to play somebody good, okay? We're not playing cupcakes for our ninth game. And I tell you what, that Clemson game in 2016, in 2017, that Penn State game in 2021 and 2022, mm-hmm. that's harder than whoever the, the Big 12's ninth game is. Y'all aren't playing people that tough. We put ourselves on the line. We go out there. We play that tough game. Moving to a ninth game from in-conference does not change anything for Auburn. It doesn't change anything for most of the teams who compete year in and year out because they are equipped to beat that team. Alabama just went and played Texas. They have to play them again um, um, this year. Georgia played Clemson in 2021. I'm not sure who their ninth game was in 2022. I'm not sure. Maybe it was a throwaway game. I don't know, but do you think it would have mattered? No, they play Oregon. That's right. Well, let's be let's be clear. Hold Oregon. Let's be clear. Eight conference games and one Power Five non-conference opponent is what the SEC has done traditionally. Right uh, now, uh, I'm sure 
it's funny after they announced that um, the you know Oklahoma and Texas would be joining the SEC, all the complaining out of those camps about SEC schedules stopped because they're right. going to have to play an SEC schedule now, and right. they're going to be carrying the water for this. Hey, our conference is tough enough already. We don't right. need to go out and play the uh and play Power Five opponents in November when right. it's most critical. You just right. don't. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's bared that out. So, um, you know, if they were flopping at the at the semi semifinal level or the national level when it came to the playoff, I would maybe everybody else would have a point. But right, right. Uh, Georgia, Georgia took took TCU to the to the absolute woodshed. <laughs> I mean, and, and the greatest beatdown in, in title <sighs> history, right? I mean, yes. that was probably one of the greatest beatdowns in title history in any sport. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I, if if this is correct, I don't know if this is 100% correct. I heard on a podcast that was the greatest scoring disparity in bowl history. History. In the history of any college football bowl game, that was the worst ass whooping. Right. And it was in right. a title game against a coach who said, well, I wish we had their schedule in November. I dumb, dumb ass uh, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> you got what you asked for. You got All what right. you asked for. Oh, my yep. goodness. Yeah. And, 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 and don't tell me their quote unquote soft November schedule is why they beat you. Well, they were more rested than we were because they didn't play nobody in November. All right. I, I don't get comments like that. Do you remember Brett Bielema? Uh, uh, Big Ten Media Day says, uh, We in the Big Ten, this is when he's with Wisconsin, we in the Big Ten do not want to be like the SEC in any way. And then he took the job at Arkansas like the next year. Uh, yeah. And, and couldn't hack it. And got fired. So he learned quick that the job is a lot harder than you think. You can't just walk into any SEC school and find success. You just can't. Now, uh, Oklahoma, let's let's talk schools for a second, B. Oklahoma has produced a Heisman finalist, I think, every year since like 2018. They've had somebody in the room. Wait, Baker Mayfield... Was he? I know he played the 2016 season because we lost to Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield in the bowl mm-hmm. game that year. The next year is when he went to the playoff and won the Heisman. So 2017 was Baker Mayfield. 2018, I believe that was Kyler Murray. 2019 was when Jalen was in the room, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. 2020, they did not because neither Spencer Rattler nor Caleb Williams as a freshman made it that year. That's correct. So that was when it stopped. So they had a three a three year string of Heisman winners and or finalists. And after that, after twenty twenty, that was the COVID year twenty twenty one. That's when Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler came back. But neither one of them, again, they didn't. Um, they didn't. No, that was Caleb Williams' freshman year. Excuse me. But neither yep. Caleb Williams nor Spencer Rattler was in the room. So he had a good string there. But then Lincoln Riley picked it back up once he got to USC and he got Caleb Williams the Heisman. So yeah. Yeah, uh, it's interesting for them because I think it only raises the profile of the potential Heisman candidates. Now, let's be clear. Lincoln Riley is no longer at Oklahoma. Right. So the guy who was producing those Heisman candidates isn't there anymore. And Brett Venables, you know, we'll see what he can do in terms of producing the Heisman candidates as a defensive guy. Right. Uh, now, let's shift to Texas here for a second. The Longhorns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Alabama of the Southwest. <laughs> uh, the we invented football, you should bow to us. 
even though we haven't really done anything in the last 10 years, 12 years, 13 years. When was 2005? Well, no, okay, I give them, making the championship game is a big thing. So 2009 with Colt McCoy, that was the last thing, 14 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So they have done nothing uh, in college football. They still get the hype every other year because they're Texas. Um, But how hard is it going to be for Texas now in the SEC you know, joining the conference at this point. I, I so what what can anybody make of Texas? You know, there was a uh, we looked at this last year. I think it was the off season last year, going into the season, the blue chip ratio or how many four and five stars recruits were comprised your, your recruiting classes, right? Mm-hmm. And in the top twenty, Auburn was in the top twenty for like a, a ten year span. I don't know if it was a ten year span or if it was just a few years. I, I don't remember exactly, but. Texas was like 12 or 13 on that list. Texas had had multiple losing seasons in that span. Like, we, Auburn yeah. has had disappointing seasons. And then our recruiting got worse over time. So we know why we ended up where we ended up the last two years. A coach that didn't fit, uh, poor recruiting. And now we ended up where we ended up. We hit the reset button. We know how that goes. Texas, however, like you had Tom Herman. You had the end of, of you had, uh, what's his name? Charlie Strong, Tom Herman. And now Steve Sarkeesian, and you've got all they have never recruited poorly. Texas has never recruited poorly. Texas has been for like 10 years or however long it's been since that Colt McCoy national championship appearance. They have been what Auburn has been the last four years, which is a mediocre to poor team, but not because we're underfunded. Like that's the problem here. We talk about how big a, a deal funding makes. Texas has always had the money. They're going out. They're doing the recruiting. They're, they're the richest program in college football. Are, are right. they not? I, I yeah. think so. They're so, what what is the dis, the disconnect? Is they have bad head coaches. They mm-hmm. don't have head coaches that can handle the pressure of the job, the boosters who are funding the program, and wrangle in the talent once they get it there. That is mm-hmm. the problem. It is a a three faced. It is a a three pronged job, and they have not found one guy who can do all three. I don't know that that changes just because they're in the SEC. They were five and seven the year before last, eight and four last year. And now they're coming into a program where they're not going to get. Um, now, granted, the Big 12 was better last year in just the season that just ended than they have been in a very long time. OK, mm-hmm. so maybe eight and four is a bigger is a, is a more a better accomplishment there than here. But I don't think they get any better than eight wins in the first three seasons. in the Oh, let's talk this. Let's talk this for a second. Um what is these first year? What do these first year records look like for Oklahoma and Texas? Oklahoma yeah. had a they had a, they had a tough year uh, this past season. They did. The quarterback got hurt, and they looked better with him than without him. Once he went down, they looked terrible. Once he came back, they looked all right again. But um, Brent Venables taking over a job that was terrible on defense, uh, a program that was terrible defensively as a defensive head coach, that was going to be a struggle. I saw a lot of people trying to dunk on Venables because oh, you didn't want to come to Auburn. Listen, man, Oklahoma was a mess. Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. and his offense was the only thing holding that thing up. It was the only good thing about Oklahoma, and he had a lot to fix, I'm sure. So it's not like the coffers were particularly full with defensive talent. He's trying to put a lot of that together last minute. I think he has a better chance at being successful. Not in year one, over the course of the first few years, but if I say year one, they still don't have a proven quarterback yet. So you got to get that figured out. Um Maybe 2024, they got that guy. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't keep up with Oklahoma recruiting. Does anybody know if Oklahoma has 
the the did they get like a superstar quarterback in their class? Who's their yeah. o, did their OC leave? Oh, uh, they well they've got oh, who oh, Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm not sure. Chat, do your thing here um, on the Oklahoma research. Uh, this um, this is going to be interesting. I think I think you raise an interesting point. Now I want to note that it's going to cost Oklahoma and Texas a combined hundred million dollars to leave a year early. Wait, what? I didn't read that before. <laughs> I just saw it's, the announcement from Sankey. I didn't read look at the details. It's going to cost them a combined $100 million to leave the conference a year early. Uh, negotiations were ongoing between uh, Fox and ESPN. Um, it was, I mean, it, it's going to cost them some money. So this is not, wow. this is not for, I mean, but with the money that they're anticipating to make from the SEC, SEC schools distributions, this past season were around $49 million, $49.5 million a piece from TV rights. So um, with mm-hmm. that deal set to be more lucrative, maybe the thinking is it's going to cost us $50 million this year a piece, but we're going to make 65 <laughs> the next year joining the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so, th- so they'll, make, they'll make some of it back. I, I see why you do it. I think once the new schools came in, the new schools start in football this 2023 season. Is that correct? The Houston, the Cincinnati, UCF, do they all so. start this season? I think it's this season. I, I think it's this season, yeah. So it was going to be weird having all these new guys here like, all right, you guys are here. I guess we'll play in football, and then we're out of here. Um, I, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't try to time up the departure with the arrival of the new guys so it can just be fresh. Because you know, you're going to have one year where Houston, uh, where, where Oklahoma, and Texas play these other schools, I don't know if it's about prestige and you don't want the embarrassment of going to Houston and losing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go to Cincinnati and lose. Like, I guess I'm, it could happen, though, because Texas isn't... Neither one of those teams are elite. You right. could... I don't want to say tarnish your brand because, I mean, it's football, man. Your brand should be that you're better than people and you're really not. So what would it do for your image if you go on the road or you, better yet, you have a Cincinnati team? <laughs> no, no. I just thought about it. You have Gus Malzahn and UCF come to Texas home field and beat Texas in a football game. I would be humiliated as a Texas fan if that happened to me. Maybe they just want to to minimize the that possibility and go ahead and get get over here with the big boys. All, like the SEC was already in the Texas market in terms of recruiting because of Texas A and M joining. Yeah, right. uh, initially Texas A and M was kind of salty about this move. Like, man, it's like. It's like breaking up with your ex and moving, and then she moves in next door to you. Right. Um, so there's, I think there's no, not a lot of love there. Although everybody will benefit from, you know, these two joining the conference, uh, yeah. and it oh, overall it strengthens, I think, um, the position that the SEC has in terms of college football mm-hmm. and the perception of scheduling, because right. now they're, they're going to non-conference games. You know, other co- other schools. Well, we in the think we think they are. We don't know yeah. they are. I, I believe they will be. I okay. think there's a better than 50% chance they go to non-conference games. Okay. Uh, okay. And we'll see if they eliminate divisions and go to pods or whatever. You know, yeah. I'm not sure if the pod idea is dead, but maintaining traditional rivalries will be something that's important. Yeah. Um, and we hope that they are they're able to accomplish that. War Report family, you are listening to The Morning Drop, where we talk about the most recent and relevant Auburn sports news. We broadcast live from The War Report's YouTube channel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central Time. You're welcome to come watch it live, but the live chat is reserved for our YouTube channel members only. So come on by, become a member, and get active in the best Auburn sports community on the webs. 
Now here's the rest of your morning drop. Drop! Want to go to the comments here. Want to thank everybody for joining us. Rob Donaldson uh, starts with, this would be a great time for Auburn to push to be moved to the Eastern Division. Now, I think the two-division system is toast. Personally, I think the two-division system is toast uh, with what will be 16 teams now. Yikes, man. Like, I, I you know, Rob, I, I, I don't know how I feel about moving to the East, but uh, I don't think this is going to be a discussion. I think they're going to eliminate them all together. But you got thoughts on this? Um, I, I think they'll eliminate them to, just to a certain extent. Maybe there isn't an Eastern Division. I kind of like the idea of the pods, but I mm. saw something rumored, and this was a couple months ago, saying that there wouldn't be pods. There would be traditional rivalries. So you get mm. two permanent people, and everything else rotates every year. So that's that seems a little too scattered for me, a little too random. I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, I think the idea of, of divisions is probably, is probably done once Oklahoma mm. and Texas get on board. Mm. Werner account says 14 pods, nine conference games. Again, this was part of the original talk about, mm-hmm. you know, who would be in those pods. You know, uh, Auburn's pod looked ridiculous. <laughs> uh, when I saw the mock-ups, it's just, it's going to be tough because you got to put Alabama and Auburn in the same pod. Do you not? You got to. I mean, well, yeah, you, you got to, you got to, if it's pods, Alabama and Auburn going to play. I hope, I hope uh, Georgia and Auburn continue to play. I want the big boys. I want the tough games because that's how you measure whether or not you're doing good. I don't want to have a year where we go like 10 and two and and, and we win. We were in the SEC championship game, but somehow we avoided a Georgia and we didn't get to play them. And all that. No, no, I don't want that. I want to go through all of our opponents to get to, to the SEC championship. Um, I hope there's something that we keep. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Pipas says 26 hours left. In a crimson rival unbeaten streak. Interesting. The game is tomorrow. The basketball game is tomorrow at Neville Arena. I see the students are camping out already. There's a gymnastics meet tonight. Uh, But uh, we're looking forward to seeing that one. College game day will be there in Auburn for this one. So it's going to be a good one to watch. Uh, Kyle Sweat, if you include Texas and Oklahoma, we would be 10th in SEC recruiting this year. That's true, but that, that doesn't count true. the transfer work. We did some work in the, in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, not to mention, between like seven and like twelve, the margin is razor thin. Right. I'm talking about one recruit could jump you three spots. Yeah. So you know, I would not get too caught up in conference rankings when it comes to recruiting, uh, especially in a head coach's first year. Uh, uh, LSU whooping Purdue wasn't worse. Talking about the uh, the bowl record. What was the yeah. final score on that game? What was the I think it was score? it's like sixty something to like three or it was something crazy. I don't remember the final score. So what was the Georgia game? Was it was it fifty eight to seven? Was that the final score for Georgia? I don't know. Listen and TCU, right? I just in my LSU. mind it's just ass whooping is is the final score. I don't remember the actual Purdue, Purdue. versus LSU bowl. Yeah, sixty three to seven. Sixty three to seven. Yeah. All right. So what was the uh, the national championship game? Because now I want to know. They came up. Uh, I always forget the score. Our chat, our chat is probably already on it. Yeah, uh, sixty-three to seven, sixty-five to seven. So, 
Oh, oh, it was 65 to 7, Georgia TCU. There yeah, we go. so it was. Yeah, <laughs> they, they inched it out by a safety. <laughs> um, <laughs> man, that was a beatdown. Oh, that my was, goodness. That's so embarrassing. Like, it, it's no shame to lose on the big stage to a better team, man. But that was just. That was just. We didn't belong. We didn't belong oh, on any level. We didn't belong with athletes. We didn't belong with coaching. Uh, you know, our mascot didn't belong. Meal You're, prep, cheerleaders, our, nobody. Yeah. Nobody nobody, nobody, nobody qualified for this game uh, from the TCU oh side. My oh, my goodness. Um, Stuart Donald comes in. Brett Bielema is a perfect example of the discrepancy between big and SEC football. He's considered an above-average coach in the big and one of the worst in SEC history. Yeah. Okay, so I, I will say this to the credit of Brett Bielema, Stu. He was at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. All right. Arkansas is Arkansas, and that's something that has been maintained. Bobby Petrino had them humming a little bit for a second, and they still couldn't get over the hump, which was Bama. And um, uh, I don't know how much anybody can do that. Like Sam Pittman, I think, is a really good coach, Mm -hmm. and he has been losing talent and losing assistants and losing coaches like left and right since he got in there, even in spite of the on-field success. We talk about how here on-field success is the last like Jenga block to keep the tower stable so we can keep and get to the next level. He's got on-field success or at least com- competitive on-field, and he keeps losing everything because organi- organizationally, Arkansas is not a good program, all right? Mm. They don't have the resources. They don't mm. have the, the history. It's tough to win there is my point. He went to Illinois and granted. It doesn't take much to beat up on the, the the terrible teams in his division up there in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. However, Illinois, have you looked at what the last two coaches did in Illinois? He's doing better than they did, and I can't I can't help but say, hey, the last two guys were winning jack squat, and you're winning something, so you can't be a terrible coach. But I agree that I don't think he'd come back down here. You don't want to yeah, talk. yeah, yeah. He's not SEC level. He's no. not. No. Um, uh, Michael Carlisle says Venables not a good fit at Oklahoma. Um, <sighs> I, I think he's just maybe a little too early had. to call. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little too early to call. They had an offensive mind as head coach, right? And offensively, they've been great. This is something that I've complained about with Auburn getting these offensive head coaches and then sucking on offense. Right. So now they have a defensive head coach, but in today's college football, football the rules be are so offense friendly. Right. In terms yeah. of how you can uh, uh, defend uh, a receiver, you know, uh, you know, in terms of what you can do on the field, it's harder to play defense more than ever before, right? Right. It so, uh, Venables, we'll see how he does. Will Oklahoma become a dominant defensive team? I think Brett they Gun- will. That's his identity. That's his identity. I think that will be his team's identity. It's going to take a few years to turn over that roster completely because he also sounds like he's a little old school in the recruiting and his his comments about well, look, don't recruit to us unless you're sure <laughs> basically he wants to get guys to commit and not keep going to visits but i mean right. that's that's the name of the game man so he's a little i don't want to say behind i hope his strategy works for him he's got the bona fides as a defensive coordinator to put together a good defense and when that is complete then we'll see what he does what oklahoma does as a team i mm. uh, got a couple of quick questions in succession here Kyle Sweat says, if you gave Texas and the schedule Auburn just played, what would have been their record? P-Pass follows up with three and nine. Uh, I mean, uh, anything can happen, right? I don't necessarily disagree with this prediction. It right. would, I think it would have been rough for them in the SEC last year. Uh, 
because you know what was crazy was Missouri low key was giving a lot of people problems last year. Yeah, they were. And, we, and when you have teams like that, and you have to go Georgia and you know Ole Miss this first half of the season, and depending on where you play people, I mean, you could get on a really bad run, which is why what Auburn did at the end of the season with Cadillac, even getting to five games, was pretty remarkable. Right. It was. It was. It was remarkable. Um, Joe Kyle, uh, love you, Joe. Joe is one of our favorite uh, members. Time for some Jimothy impacts. Mm. Does this send his stock even lower? You know what? It absolutely does. It absolutely does because there is, though they were in the SEC and they were competitive immediately after they got into the SEC, Texas A&M, it was mostly because of Johnny Manziel. We realized that. They had a singular superstar talent. And he carried them to two years of two very good years. I honestly think if if Johnny Menzel, that team in 2012, that the one that beat Alabama and then they like blew somebody out in the bowl game, that was one of the cases where this is why we need a playoff. They got going late. All right. They they were figuring themselves. I think they lost to LSU early. That was their first conference game as they played LSU and they got beat real bad. And then they start to figure it out. Menzel comes on by the end of the year. They are playing phenomenal. And they did not get a chance to play for anything significant because they had already lost the games. I think it was LSU in, in Florida they lost to. They had lost the games that would have be, uh, allowed them to be in, in the conference championship. So that's a case where, yeah, you need you need a, a playoff. But anyway, this impacts Jimothy in this way. He can lose to Alabama and everybody say, ah, oh, it's Alabama. He could lose to LSU and everybody's like, oh, you know, they got all this talent there, LSU. Texas A&M hated Texas so much, they didn't even want them over here. They didn't even want them over here. Now, he has a new landmine to avoid. If he loses to Texas at home or if he loses to Texas at Texas, now there's something that's really going to stick in the craw of those A&M boosters. And that is you lost to our hated rival. We left conferences to get away from them. And they come over here and you start losing to them immediately. I keep imagining what is that five and seven year last year? What does that look like? If they lose to Texas A&M, excuse me, if they lose to UT in that five and seven, then maybe they actually get Jimothy out of there. Maybe they go ahead and cut him his check because you can't lose to that team. That's the team that you can't lose to. And they would have lost to him. That would have been. <laughs> I, th- that's the pressure on Jimothy now. The pressure on Jimothy, Joe, is that he has to put together a decent year. He needs to win eight games next year. He just absolutely does. But 2024, he needs to do better than just win eight. You need to beat UT. Whatever you do, you need to beat UT. They are not world beaters. They are not a phenomenal program. They have been mediocre for a very long time. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with that when they get down the road. Uh, big Gab, I want Texas and Oklahoma to have a welcome to the SEC thrashing for at least five years. You know what? I don't know if it's going to be five years. It's probably going to be a minute. Um, two or three for sure. Two or three for sure. Now, we can't act like we don't have some some bottom-of-the-barrel teams in the SEC. We do. They could, they could be an Ole Miss they could be, depending on what, I don't know what Mississippi State looks like. They lost a lot of talent uh, with, with of course, with Mike Leach. And they got a good guy there, um, the defensive coordinator that was there. He picked up the, 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 
the, the baton and ran with it. So I think he'll have them competitive. But Texas and Oklahoma recruit much better than Ole Miss, much better than Mississippi State, much better than Arkansas, much better than Vanderbilt. Um, South Carolina's kind of, they, they're teetering. You know, they're trying. They're, they're coming up, but much better than Missouri, mm-hmm. even though I think they've, they've got some positive momentum. So they should have at least a few W's on their okay. schedule. All right. Texas and Oklahoma should have a couple of gimmies, not gimmies because everybody's kind of competitive right now, but there are teams that you are more talented than and you supposedly have better coaches than you should not be losing to a few of these teams. So I expect them to be bottom third, but kind of the top of the Mm, bottom third. Bottom third. Yeah. I, I don't expect them to Missouri. Here's Vanderbilt, Missouri, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas. There's your five. We're a 16-team conference. So if you are anywhere in that mix, you could you could be fourth from the bottom, fifth from the bottom, and be bottom third. I think that's completely possible for Oklahoma or Texas in the first three years. I think that's possible. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they land again. Is it a rough introduction to the SEC for these two schools? Uh, this is going to be an ongoing conversation, I'm sure, here on the War Report. I uh, want to thank everybody for joining us this morning uh, on the Morning Drop. It's Friday, February 10th. I'm here with my boy, B. Will. We're out. We'll be back at you guys with the next drop on Monday. So until then, War Eagle. Drop!